Thanks, Mike. Question. Good morning. Well, it's great to be home. It's been a long time. We go back to 1948 when in the front room of our house in Margaret Avenue in Long Eaton, it all began. Where my mother put two chairs and an ironing board across to make a seat for three. There's a tea seat at eight on the back, on the arms and everywhere else. And my father played the violin. Well, there wasn't room for a piano. If you saw the room, it was so small. But that's where it all began all those years ago. And I'm glad to say that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was then. And although things have moved on and some of us have got a little bit older, we pray God a little bit wiser, the fact is that's where it all started. And over the years I've watched this church as it's gone through its various things and seen how God has moved and blessed. And I'm delighted this morning there's so many new people here have come into the church and will find Jesus Christ as their Savior. Trust me that you keep your eyes on Him. You can't go wrong. The reality is that God loves us so much. And all those years ago, when it was all begun, in a very simple way, with most of them young people, we have one here this morning, who was present at that time, just a young teenager. You will know her as Margaret, I'm sure. And... Uh, Bless her, she's, she's been around all that time. It's good to know that things can last in a world that's always changing. But that's where the love of God comes in. Yvonne, my wife, came to the Lord Jesus Christ in our Sunday Acre Church that was also pioneered by my father all those years ago. And we have others here from Sunday Acre here this morning as well. And the work in Sawley, another branch that was done all those years ago. In fact, there was a tent crusade held there many years ago with Wynn Lewis, and uh, many people came to the Lord Jesus Christ. In all of those days, it is true to say that we saw miracles, we saw healings, we saw legs grow an inch and a half in as many minutes, and the blind eyes opened, and that was normal. And I want you to understand, church, that here in this year, 2016, the same Jesus has the same power. And wherever we go, we expect those things to happen. My brother Paul's the pastor in Birkenhead, or was, he's now retired like me, getting older. But, you know, we are used to seeing miracles. It's something we did saw all those years ago. And over the years of our ministries, wherever we've been, we've seen that happen. Because we have a God that's powerful. And a God that is able. And there's nothing impossible with him. So I pray this morning that you'll be encouraged and know that this isn't just some cult or something that started on the back room somewhere. This is something of God. And the evidence is here today. I pray the Lord will bless you. And that he will keep you. And let me pray for you now. Sovereign Lord, we thank you. Because you are the God of grace and mercy. The God of great power. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Because although this started back in the 40s. What you did then, you will do today. We thank you you've never changed. We pray, Lord, that even today, with all these people present, those who've just come to you and are just finding their way with you, that you'll bless them, bless their lives and their families. If they have needs, Lord God, they will know that they can trust you with them. and Lay them at your feet and you will gladly walk with them. You will take the burden from them. You will give new life and make them a new creation. 
So, Lord Jesus, bless them all. Bless the pastor and his wife and the team here, Lord, that they will know your grace and your mercy. We hold you high, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for all you've done and praise you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Mike and Yvonne, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your inspiration. Thank you for your devotion. And thank you that you're continuing. You're continuing strong today. And uh, I know uh, I was in Scotland when Mike uh, was pastoring a great church in Edinburgh and the input that Mike had into that region at the time. And uh, uh, it's great. And to see you today and your inspiration today, it's great. So, um, Mike comes from an experience, not only of the past, but what he's doing today as well. So, you know, we honor you in that and thank you for being amongst us this morning. So this morning we're going to continue in a, a series together and um, we are um, taking a series together on um, kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is uh, what we're looking at this morning and... Uh, that's where we're going to go. So here we go. He says, should appear on the screen. So if you have a Bible with you, would you like to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, just for a moment in two? So it's Matthew chapter 22 and uh, verse 34. It's the great or the greatest commandment. So Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34 is our reading from the NIV. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, this is what he replied. This is the greatest thing that anyone could do with the whole of your life, the whole of my life. He says this, Jesus replied, love The Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And then the people around you as yourself. So we're looking as a, as, as a church at this theme of kingdom culture, and we've spent a number of weeks looking at this together. You may be visiting us this morning, maybe for the first time. So just a few minutes of reflection about where we've been going on the journey, and now what we're going to be looking at today. We have looked at this understanding that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. He said that we are people of a different culture. And he said that first, the priority life is seek first, is seek God first in life. This is our priority. And we've been looking at this understanding of, I've said that belief and behavior forms culture. Belief and behavior, the things we value, the way we believe is, affects how I behave. And the way I believe and behave, that becomes our culture. And we live in a world that has a certain culture. It's a consumer culture. But Jesus said, seek God first. We are called to be a people of kingdom culture. And that's what we're looking at. And that's our priority is God first. Then we looked at a, a, a week or so later at this idea of treasure. And where our treasure is, that will be where our heart is. 
And we've been discovering this understanding of what does it mean to treasure a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? What does it truly mean to really treasure this relationship? It's more than coming to church. church coming to church is maybe a great thing. It's more than even reading the Bible. And I would say, I commend you for that. That's an amazing thing. But to treasure is akin to this word, these words when Jesus said, seek God first. He then goes on to talk about treasure and heart. And where the treasure of our lives is, that's what has your heart. And things, in a consumer culture, the danger is that we can be consumed. Things, ultimately, that's what has our heart. But Jesus said, let God have your heart. Seek him first. And this is the very root, the foundation of our hearts and lives. You want a a successful or fruitful, a life of purpose and fruit, then there's this understanding of seeking God and treasuring a relationship with him. We looked, we went on and looked at this understanding that to come in the kingdom of God, we come in from darkness into light and into the forgiveness, the hope of God, his son. Now you can experience that. If you Seek God first. If you uh, repent, if you uh, open up your heart to Jesus as the Lord of our lives, then we, it says immediately we come out of darkness into light. We can experience hope, forgiveness, friendship with God, love, purpose, grace. We can know that now. It's to come into the kingdom now. We can experience that aspect of light and hope in our hearts and lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at this theme of the greatest commandment. The kingdom culture is based on the language of love, God's love. We're to be a people of a a different spirit, of light, of hope, of the kingdom culture of God. Then our lives are based on this language. It's the language of love, not just any old love. Love is great, love is powerful, but the love of God. And that's what we're going to look at just for a moment or two this morning. It's interesting that these words that we've just read, uh, the account, the story where a scribe and some religious people came up to Jesus to ask him, which is the greatest commandment? On the back of that story, and then Jesus said, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. At face value, we read that and think, well, that's nice, nice story. But 2,000 years ago, the background to that story goes something like this. Whether you understood and maybe know this or not, maybe you don't know this, but at the time, the teachers of the day, the scribes or the scholars of the day, they had discovered somewhere in the region of six to seven, six to seven hundred um, laws and ceremonial laws for life. They were based on the law of Moses. And... Um, Theologians have looked into this and they've discovered that from the Jewish teaching of the day and the teaching of the scribes and the leaders of that day, there was somewhere in the region of not just the Ten Commandments, but the teachers and the scholars of the day, the scribes of that day, so a a teacher and a scribe that asked Jesus this question, they'd have looked into the Ten Commandments and then they'd looked into the other um, verses or scriptures of the, the law and they'd actually looked and it came out to somewhere in the region of six to seven hundred other laws, sub-laws, ceremonial laws, things that needed to be put into practice. And so at the time, the people of the day had this experience of six to seven hundred other laws. And so when this scribe comes to Jesus, he's thinking, I'm going to give him a conundrum. I'm going to give him something to really think about. So he said, when he says, so when he says, teacher, what do you think? It's the greatest law. Can you imagine computing six to seven hundred in your brain straight away? 
You know, is it this one? Is it that one? And Jesus, it's as if he boils everything and he brings it down to what really matters. The substance of life. And he says this. And this would have been radical. They would have all gone, (gasps) on the day when he said this one thing. Love, one thing. He boiled it down to one main thing that answered all of those six or seven hundred other laws. Love your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And then he added out of that and love your neighbor. Let the outworking of that love touch the people around you just as you would yourself. Jesus boils it all down to one thing. You know, it's so important for life. He's, he's basically, and it's similar to what we were looking at, he says, seek God first. Seek the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is saying on another occasion, love God with all your heart. This is the main thing, the main thing for life. The most important thing that you and I can do, whether you're in business, you're a manager, you're a cleaner, you're at school, you're studying, you're, going to, you're a teacher, you're, you're um, a, a, a house husband, a housewife, Whatever, you're, whatever you describe yourself, whatever we're doing in life, the most amazing thing, if you want a, a life of purpose, fulfilling and the most incredible thing that we can do in life is to love, give our hearts, God, our attention, our hearts, our lives, everything that we've got, Jesus said, make that the main thing, the main thing in your life. It's so important for life that our, an uplook determines our outlook. You know, there's a lot about attitude and positive outlook on life, and if you have a good outlook. But Jesus is introducing something amazing, incredible, radical, that could be so amazing for your life and my life. He's basically sharing that an outlook, if we seek God first, if we give our hearts, if we see God, if we give our lives to our maker, our creator, who knows everything about our lives and the way that we can live our lives... He's the creator and sustainer of the universe. If we give ourselves to him and we we have an outlook, then that will affect our outlook because he then says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see? The kingdom of God, the most amazing thing we can do is make sure that we have an outlook, that we see God, we're God in our hearts and lives, give our lives to God. That will have an amazing effect on our outlook. The way in which we relate to those around us, live in our world, relate to your boss at work, uh, you function as a manager or a teacher or whatever it is that you do, the way we relate to our family and our friends and our relationships. Love God with all our hearts. Now, that word love is really interesting. So I just want to take a second, so introduce that for a moment or two. So that's a bit of background. Now, I want to just take a moment just to look at this word love. I'm not going to spend a long time on it. But let's just look. He says, love God with all your heart and mind and strength. That word love is a very interesting word there. The word that he's describing there and the word that he's using at that moment is a word in the translation of the day that is agape. The particular word for love that he uses there is agape. Now, you might say, whoopee doo da, what has that got to do with me today in the 21st century? Let me just take Two minutes and just say something about this word love that's used here. And Jesus uses a particular word at this moment. Agape, at that time, the word 
This particular word that he uses was in the Greek world, it was written in the Greek language at the time, in the Greek world at that time, the Greeks used this word before Jesus came along, and it was determined as the love of the gods. It's a God love, a divine love. It transcended human love. In the pagan world of the day, this word already existed, okay? It's not necessarily a Christian word. But it was a word that existed in the language and culture of the day. And it referred to the love of the gods. A divine, a superhuman love. It wasn't just a human love. It was much more. It was the gods love. And when Jesus uses this, he takes this word, not for the gods, but the one true and only God, who is the creator of the universe. There's only one God. And he takes this word agape and he, he brings it to our Our love for God. Our love for God is with this divine, superhuman love. That's the way we are to love God. And that is the way that God loves you, is with this superhuman, this divine love. Now, this love described is is pure. It's holy. It's of sacrifice. It, It looks and gives with not looking to get anything back. It has no strings attached. It gives. It does not get. It is all powerful. It conquers even death and hell. This love that's described is the love of God. It's divine. It's a God love. You know, human love is really powerful. You can melt the most challenging heart with love. That is on a certain level, but this takes it into a a completely different level. It's the love that can change the entire universe. It's the all-powerful love of the creator. And this love is what is used at this moment. It's the way in which God loves you and me. He looks at me and he looks at you with the way that I am and loves me and gives into my life. It says that Jesus went to the cross and died for us even when, while we were still sinners, it says that Christ dies for us. It's a love that looks at us even though we would turn our back and Jesus would give himself for us. It looks to give even if it doesn't get. It's on a completely different plane and level. It's a love that is absolutely, now this is very difficult for me to conceive, uh, to even perceive and conceive in my heart and mind. It's a love that is absolutely pure. I don't know how good you are. I don't know how good I try to be. But I am not, sorry to say this, folks, completely holy. Or my motives are always pure. There's no one in this auditorium this morning that could say that. Because we're human. And I, I'm good. I, I try and be good. And I can show love. And that's powerful, human love. But this is a love that is, and it's hard to conceive and perceive, absolutely holy and pure, and of good intention, and can do no wrong. It's that type of love. This is on a different level, a different plane. We could almost say a different planet, but it's not. It's on our planet, in our hearts and lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Now, this is so important. I just want to make that point. I've maybe not done it complete justice in a couple of minutes. But what I want to say is this. When we are loved that way... God calls us to love him that way. And he gives us the person of the Holy Spirit to help us. He's called the helper. He empowers us to love God in that way. Now, there's a danger in life today that we can devalue God's love. It can be cheapened. Countries devalue their currency to make it cheaper. And there is a danger that 
you and I can devalue and cheapen that agape, that divine love. And we can do it unbeknown. We don't mean to. But when we look at life and perceive life from which is natural for us, our own experience of love, human love, that can cheapen divine love. Let me give you an example. When someone says something like, pick on on anything, um, you know, I'm in a relationship, I'm not, by the way, when I say this. <laughs> I'm in a relationship with another woman, and it's not my wife. And I've asked God's forgiveness, and, um, and it still continues. But he does love me, you know. Of course God loves us. Of course he loves us. Of course. But he loves us with a complete, pure, divine agape. You see, the statement I've just made is from a human point of view, human love, but God's love is agape. And we're called to be released in this divine love. And that divine love is full of grace and mercy. And it's from the person of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Because I can't do that on my own. But this is why Jesus said, I send the helper to be with you and in you. And he will convict you and empower you in all truth. So that we're then able to begin to operate in divine love. And that's why we give our lives to him. Okay. So, so you know, I don't want to devalue God's love. I do at times because I'm human and I slip up. But we've got a great loving father who's good, good father who forgives. We can come to him and give our hearts to him. But so our desire is that we live and flow in the love of God. And this is what Jesus, when Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, he was using the word agapeian. It's really interesting. It's not just from a human point of view, which is great and good, but to, in likewise. And that comes from being filled, uh, released in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we love then from his heartbeat. So there are a couple of things I want to just say in the great commandment. uh, Moving on quickly. Three things. From these verses, uh, there are three things I just want to touch on. And then we're going to just apply some of these things to our hearts and lives. Three things. The first thing that I see from these verses is a sense of desire. We're going to look at desire, devotion, and demonstration. Three things that, from these verses. First thing is this, is a sense of desire. Um, God loves when human beings uh, have a sense of a desire for God in our hearts and lives. Um, Jesus would often said things like this. Ask he encouraged people to seek. Uh, he encouraged people to knock. And he said, the door will be open. Ask, you shall receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be open. He didn't play, I've said this so many times. He doesn't, God doesn't play hide and seek. He doesn't play hard to find or hard to get. He wants us. To, he wants a relationship with you and me. But what he looks for is a sense of desire. That's all. Even a little grain of mustard seed in faith, a little grain of mustard seed desire, that's all it takes. It's amazing. Ask, you shall receive. Knock, the door will be opened. Seek, you shall find. In James chapter 4, the book of James, the letter to James, chapter 4, verse 8, he says, it says, James says, uh, in writing in that, um, in J, to James, Paul says, um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God or come to God and he will come to you. There's something magnetic with desire. 
When you, in your heart, even with a little, even if you don't think you're very good, even if you think you don't, don't think you know very much, even if we think we let God down, even if we think, what am I here for? If there's a little mustard seed, a little grain, a little grain of desire, it's just that little. So if we come near, God will draw near to you and me. It's incredible. God loves this sense of desire. To, um, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Draw near. Uh, ask. Seek not. There's something about the kingdom of God. God and the sense of desire. And I don't know about you this morning, and it, it's a desire for God. It's, it's not necessarily, per se, a desire for church, although we do want to be in a church so that we can relate to other people. It's a desire to know and relate to the living God, our Father in heaven, through his Son, Jesus Christ, in the power and person of the Holy Spirit. So, so it's so important for you and I this morning to have a sense of desire to want to know him, walk with him, and walk in that in our hearts and lives. And God loves that. And so it says, James says, if you come near to God, if there's a little mustard seed of desire, then the beautiful thing is this, God will come near to you. I hear people say, where is God? Well, if you just stop for a moment, look up and ask God a little mustard seed of desire, then God will do something quite miraculous. He'll come near and come knocking on your door and knocking on the door of your heart. That's exactly what happened to me when I was 20 years of age. I came to a point in my life where I began to think, is there a God? I came into contact with a guy. I was his technician. He was the electronics engineer. He was a Christian. I began to talk about where is this God? And I, a sense of wanting to find, desire something came into my life. And here I am, um, 30-something, 30. I'm not going to say how many years later because you'll work out how old I am. But 30-something years later, I find myself wanting to get closer to him. Desire, God draws near. Second thing that I want to say is this from these, um, uh, the, the, the words of Jesus here. So Jesus wants us to desire a relationship with God. You love God with all the heart. He's, he's, he's provoking the people of the day to desire this one thing, this one thing, boiled down from all these six or seven hundred other things, this one thing is desire relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Second thing is devotion. He's, do you notice the words? It says, love the Lord your God with with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. With all. It's really emphatic, the translation there. And that really speaks of devotion. Jesus is saying something he said in other places. It's something similar. Treasure. A relationship with Jesus Christ. Treasure. Treasure. You know, when you're, uh, when, if ever you've ever flied on, on a, you know, a jet, an aeroplane, you've gone abroad. You know, one of the things they, they, they do is, uh, you know, the doors are to the here, 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 and here, all that business. And, the, and, and your life jacket is here. I'm always, I, I always look at everything again. And I listen to everything again, even though I've heard it a number of times. And they always say to you, you don't take anything. You know, don't, go, don't try and go back. You just get out. Uh, the things that we, but sometimes people go back after things because they treasure their iPad or whatever it might be, or I don't know what it is. They, they might try and go back after it. Do, uh, there, there's, there's something about tre- devotion. Jesus is looking and encouraging us to treasure, to be devoted uh, to a relationship with God. Because why? Because he says where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, 
If you're parents, if we're parents here this morning, we can teach our children of anything is to treasure a relationship with God. The most beautiful thing that you can do for our families and our children, just treasure God and treasure a relationship and love him and be loved by him. That's the most amazing thing that we can do. We need to be aware of a number of things. You know, uh, distractions, dead ends of life, deviations. Sometimes in life, there are a lot of good things that can come our way and they distract us. I've met lots of Christians over the years and some pastors I've met, some of the pastors I've studied in college with, now uh, 27 years later in ministry, and they've been distracted by some good things. Don't think all distractions are bad. There can be some great distractions. It could appear that you're being very successful. Sometimes success can be a distraction to what God has really in our lives. Just be aware. Beware of certain distractions to devotion. Um, Sometimes there's deviations. You can take a different route. That road's closed, so go around a long way. And uh, we can get lost a little. And uh, we just need to be aware. We can, we can lose time and energy. Uh, uh, sometimes there's dead ends. There's some things, there's a route that you can go down in life. Uh, and, you know, you can spend many, many years on something. And it, it really takes you to a dead end, to a sense of devotion. We have to be aware of that and call upon God. But Jesus said, give all. Give all your heart to knowing and relating and loving and being loved. And the beautiful thing is, and being loved. Why? If you draw near to him, he draws near to you. If you love him, he will love you. more. And the transaction is greater than you can ever imagine. Because God gives so much more than I could ever give to him. Jesus said, I've come to give you life in an overflow. In a, in a, in a super abundance. John 10.10. 10. Devotion, desire, devotion. We're called to be devoted, to give our whole hearts and our whole lives to him. And finally, it's all about love. Demonstration. Jesus said, if we love God with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength and treasure a relationship with him and give him our hearts and lives in this pure, sacrificial no strings attached love. Not just on a human basis. Well, I'll, 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 this week I'll give you this. And next week I won't do that. And if you don't do this for me, then I'm not, obviously I'm not going to do that anymore. This is, I just give you my life. No strings attached. That's the gape. Remember, we're talking about this. Pure uh, devotion. Then he says, and out of that, then love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is anyone that's around you, beside you, not just maybe where you live, but whoever you have come into contact in life. It's people outside of ourselves that is our neighbor, wherever that may be. Our neighbor could be that when we send the uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes and they're sent to wherever, they may go to Syria or Lebanon or Romania, we don't know. Sometimes they give you a rough area where they're going. That, that, they'll be, that's, we're sending them to our neighbor. That, that, that will be our neighbor. Or it, your neighbor could be the person that you're next door to. Anyone outside of ourselves, whoever the Holy Spirit leads you to, it's being aware and open that this isn't just for me. It's not me, my, and I, but it's for the world, to tell the world that Jesus lives, that Jesus is alive. His love is alive in me, and he wants to know you too. You see, love gives. This Love is sacrificial. Agape is sacrificial. It always gives. Love gives. For God so loved the world that he 
gave his one and only son. His one and only means the very best of heaven. It's the apple of, of his eye, his very heart. And so this love that we're called to love God is to give our whole lives, no strings attached. This is my life, this is my heart. Whatever you say, whatever you call upon me, I'm giving you my heart, my life, myself. And God then pours into us with no strings attached an immense, amazing, incredible sense that you are loved by your creator. We find ourselves, you know when you hear people say, I've, I've, uh, you'll hear you know, um, pop stars and, um, and people in the news, they say, well, we've come out of our marriage relationship to find ourselves. Whatever that means. And you'll hear it in psychology. You need to find yourself. You know, our true identity is found by being loved by our creator. When you love and are loved by your creator, the creator who made you and fashioned you and me, that's when we find ourselves. Truly, as we were designed and and built and made and loved, with God, he breathed love. He, He created us with a sense of love. It was built into us. And when we find and love him, we reach and meet what life is all about to have a relationship with God. It's beautiful to see our little children in their own way learning what it means to love God and grow up into adult life loving God. And um, that's why he says you could then love your neighbor as yourself. We find who we are made incredibly and loved to bits. In the whole of the world and the, and the universe, you know, psychologists have looked into what makes people tick and some of the things that we really need in life. And one of the most fundamental needs and desires in a human heart is love. To be loved and to love. It's a fundamental leveler for all society. Black or white, poor or rich. It's a big leveler. It's the ultimate leveler. This is why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. We'll find ourselves when we truly find God. You'll have the power to love your husband, love your wife. It will change our relationships for the better. Our friends and neighbors. This is why Jesus says, love those that are your enemies. Why Jesus was able to say, bless those that persecute you. This is why Jesus was able to say, if you're struck, then turn the other cheek and give them that cheek. I always used to think, how could you do that, God? Because this is a dynamic, supernatural uh, relentless love that conquers all. It conquers death and hell because it's perfect, it's pure, it's divine. It's all-conquering love. Nothing can stop this love. No, nothing, no height nor depth. The Apostle Paul says, neither life nor death nor demon power, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that anybody could do to us. And Jesus understood this. So when he was on the cross, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. He understood what it was, the pure and ultimate love and sacrifice. I understand that. I don't quite fully understand, but there's a little bit of a revelation beginning to dawn on me that this love is relentless. There's a Hillsong song, a Hillsong song, 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 whatever you call it, a Hillsong song that is, his love is relentless. That is really scripturally true. It's relentless because it conquers all. It cannot be separated because it's pure, it's divine, it's all powerful, it's holy. It changes things. It makes us as white and pure as snow. His love is Relentless. He, God will not stop. He will look for you. He loves you and me. It's amazing. And if we can love with that love, and we can in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can see 
the kingdom of God, a new culture, a new life, a new world. It's not pie in the sky. It can be, this is why Jesus said, and pray, thy kingdom come on earth. Let it become on earth as it is in heaven. His love is relentless and he wants to live in and through you and me. And that comes with desire, devotion, and let's tell the world and demonstrate that to those around us that Jesus lives. Let's pray together. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I suppose you had to really because you're here. But I still thank you anyway. Let's pray. Father God, that we thank you that your word is life. Your word is life. And we want to let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. Now this morning, Father, I just give mere human words, but you, Holy Spirit, can empower the truth of anything that's been said this morning. What is true? Anything that's of the truth this morning. Anything that's true, Father God. Holy Spirit, would you just let it dwell in our hearts richly, in my heart richly, and in our minds and spirits richly. Your love is beautiful. Love conquers all. And I pray, Father God, for marriages, our relationships, for children, grown-up children, prodigals, people here this morning not sure what to believe, some of us who truly believe, others of us struggling with what we believe, some of us thinking, oh, I just want to stir up my heart again. Some of us not sure what to believe. I pray, Father God, Holy Spirit, that you now would just take any truth from your word and let it dwell in our hearts richly. Touch our hearts, minds and spirits. Stir us up, inspire, transform us. By the power of your spirit, we pray. Come and have your way. Father God, Holy Spirit, we pray that we might now be filled with a sense of your love. I love you, Lord. I love you, Father. Love you, God. Love you, Jesus. Love you, Holy Spirit. Love your word, Lord. Love you, Holy Spirit. Now come and have your way in our hearts and lives. Your love is relentless. I pray that you will come and change our hearts and minds and families and relationships, marriages and homes, our community, our nation, our minds. Let your kingdom come in our hearts and in, on earth and our area and our lives as it is in heaven. We pray, come Lord Jesus, have your way. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's we stand together as we respond. And let's, as we sing this morning, respond in our hearts and say to God, I'm giving you my heart, my life afresh, my family, my marriage, my home. And let's give our hearts afresh to him as we just worship and sing together and pray that the Holy Spirit will stir up something in our minds and in our spirits in Jesus' name. And this is my desire.